And then there's the broker fee. We don't work for free. And that comes out of from the borrower. In my case, I usually charge 1%. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Right Club Nation, it is Sarah Larby here. And before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? Well, that's our Right Club online community. It's a place where you can find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. And we've got interactive forums, all the podcast episodes, hours of videos, a wide range of real estate investing training and education, tons of great information. It's free to join. Be sure to come grow with us at The Right Club com now on with the podcast welcome back right club nation for another episode of the right club podcast i'm alfonso salemi and today joining me my co-host is laurel simmons hey laurel how are you today i'm doing great alfonso and what's what's going on in your neck of the woods well you know what i uh we just had the uh, the care op summit the rent to own summit actually danielle was a panelist on the on the on the care op summit and yeah they just elected me to become the president of uh of care op so that's big news as we continue to grow the rent to own business and uh educate more people on you know rent to owns and the whole business around that and uh yeah that's what's been keeping me busy how about you laurel what are you up to well, uh, we've just, I, I don't know, I, it seems that there's so much going on and there's deals flying in and across my desk and I, I swear I woke up this morning, my feet hit the floor and, you know, I, I, it's now what is hours and hours we're, we're into the evening now as we record this and I just like, where, where'd the day go? Like I had this meeting and that meeting and this email and I did some work and I did some creative stuff and off here and blah, 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 blah. and now it's, it's like, Oh, it's like, I need to, I need a pill to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's keeping active though, right? It's got, you know, people say that when time goes by really slow, like you, you want that for like a vacation, right? When you're yeah. really slow and you're relaxing and you want like the waves to slow down and the sun to be up for like 30 hours a day and all that kind of stuff. But when things are going fast paced, that usually means we're enjoying and, and a lot of things are going on and, and what we're doing. So that's a, that's a good thing, I would think. Yeah. And it also means that I'm not bored. I don't have time. Oh, yeah. Like some people, sometimes people ask me, well, you know, you, you don't have a job, whatever that means. And I just, and, and, you know, you must like, what do you do to fill your time? And I just look at them and go, are you out of your mind? Like, yeah, I, I, there's so much going on. So many projects, real estate, the right club, you know, my, my wine stuff. Um, I'm constantly learning. And, and as Susan said in the, you know, as you'll hear in the interview, she, the, um, the podcast and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So I just don't even understand the concept of being bored. Yeah. Yeah. You see so many of those articles, right. Or oh, what to do with your extra time because of COVID like extra time. Yeah. I don't know where, <laughs> where that, where that's coming in, but, uh, but yeah, you mentioned it. We have an amazing, amazing guest today, Susan Flanagan, and she's been a longtime friend and supporter of the right club. And she does a great job uh, at what she does. She really does it with a heart and puts her, her heart and effort and really cares about every single one of the projects that she works on and all the people that she works with and helps along the way too. So we got into to chatting with her about private mortgages and private money and all those things. And I don't know, I always joke around. I'm a 
Italian. I have a background. So when you talk about private money, that means like a bad thing. You're going to the loan sharks and if you miss late payments, you're in trouble, right? Those types of things. But where we're talking about a little bit of different type of private money today on today's podcast and uh, yeah, the benefits and, and all those things. And really you can think it's good or think it's bad. And guess what? That's just your opinion. But this is some more education, some more information so that you can decipher if it is for you or if it's not for you. And we're not telling you it should be or shouldn't be. It's just more information so that you can make the best educated decisions uh, that you can possibly make. Yeah. And, you know, just like everybody else, I know that, Alfonso, you're the same as I am. Every time we talk to a guest, we learn something, right? We yeah. always learn something. It's either reinforced or there's something new. So, um, hey, I think it's great. And Susan did a great job. So shall we go to the interview now? Let's do it. Let's get to the podcast. All right. Hey, Susan Flanagan, welcome to the Right Club podcast. Well, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to see you and to hear you. And uh, oh, so many things we're going to talk about in the next in the next little while. But first, but before we get started into the into the meat of this, so just are you having a good time, Susan? Are you are you enjoying this um, the lockdown and the COVID and all this stuff? And are you just like being creative? Because we were talking a little bit about this uh, before before we started recording, right? About you have a choice. You can either sort of suck your thumb and, and, and whimper for a couple of years or so, or you can be creative. So what, what are you doing? Well, I'm totally into the, let's be creative. We've got to figure out ways to, to make things work. Yeah. It's actually, like we said, it's a difficult time, but it's also an exciting time for new creative ideas moving forward in business, whatever our businesses are. Yeah, I agree. It's like it, it, sometimes when you when you when you're forced to sort of be alone or, or however you define that, and that's often when we get like ideas because sometimes we can be a little bit quieter, right, and think mm -hmm. more instead of being constantly bombarded by gotta go here, gotta go there, do this, do that, yeah. right? Like, yeah. there's something to be said for some quiet time. I don't know if we want two years of it, but we don't have much choice of a choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and definitely on that light, right, and, and, and being creative and, you know, with your background and, and you being a great friend to, to the Right Club for, for many years and, and friends of most of ourselves with Laurel, Daniel, Sarah and myself being good friends of that, you are, you are that person that, you know, is not going to let you down, not going to suck your thumb and just go hide in a corner. You're going to find the way of the creative way of doing things. And you know, that's what we're going to kind of delve into a little bit of, you know, some creative financing. So maybe for for those members of the Right Club community that uh, maybe that haven't met you or, or had the opportunity to, uh, to to work with you, give them a little bit of a you know thirty thousand foot view, a little bit about yourself and and uh, the kind of the business that you're in and what you like to do. Okay, well, first and foremost, I am a real estate investor. Have been for hate to admit it, but over thirty years. I started when I was five. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, along the way, I've, I've dabbled in many areas of real estate investing from buy and holds, rent to owns, um, flips. Um, and then I got into lending money a number of years ago. And that led me to where I'm at today with Bridge. And I very specifically, it is to do with private lending. So the name of my brokerage is Private Money for Mortgages. And so throughout the last three years or so, I've gotten more known within the real estate community of investors, of 
actually the go-to person for private money, if that'd be the right way to put it. But I'm also an, an active real estate investor still too. So when you say private money, Susan, I, th- I think some people don't know what that means. Like, what is private money? We know what the bank's money is, uh, but what is private money? What does that mean? That's a, and it's a good question because people do get it confused. Basically, the cheapest money out there to get as a real estate investor is from the bank. The a, you've got A lenders, you have B lenders. Those are both bank lenders. And then your third group is a C lender, which is private money. So whether it comes from a MIC, which could be a mortgage investment corporation, or whether it came from a business, or whether it came from an individual or groups of individuals, it's private money. It's not institutional money. That's the whole difference. And what that brings to the table at the same time is a whole different set of rules. I mean, it's, I always say using private money is the wild west. Anything goes. Now there's certain guidelines that most people tend to follow, but I've heard some people say they had to, they had an interest rate of close to 20% where somebody else had an interest rate on a similar deal for only 7%. That's craziness of that difference, but it just shows it is the wild west at times, unless people get educated. Yeah, and and that's why you're such a friend of the, of the Right Club Nation is that you're doing that, and a lot of a lot of our members, a lot of the community have worked with you from that site. So, what are what are the most common reasons that you know a real estate investor would even consider using a private mortgage, right? If, or maybe even if they are qualified, why would they want to use private money as they're building their portfolio? Actually, one of the the first and foremost reasons might be that it's fast, it's easier to get the money. And obviously, if you're not qualifying anymore at the bank, for whatever reason, it could be that you're over leveraged right now. And so your debt ratios don't work to be able to qualify, or it might be that you now have too many properties. It might be that you're buying a property that's needs a lot of work. You might've picked it up under market value, but it needs a lot of work and the bank won't touch it. So, so there's So these are all good reasons why somebody might say, well, forget it. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and do nothing. I will use private money. And yes, private money is way more expensive, but it also is a means to the, uh, a means to get the property that you can move forward. And there's many scenarios where expensive or not, it's worth it. It's worth doing it, using it. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the things that a lot of investors don't stop to think about is that you might be a little startled, like, whoa, like like you said, 20% uh, 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 interest rate. But if it's a, particularly if it's a shorter term loan, right? Like you, for whatever reason, you might say, okay, I'm going to take that, I don't know, 10, 50, $100,000 for three or four months at that, you know, 20%, whatever it is. And although that seems like a whack of money, if you know that at the end of that term, you can pay it back or get other, you know, other, some other type of funding in there to replace it and, and you do your numbers it, it, and it works for you, then why wouldn't you, you know, yeah. go for the, for the private money? Yep. And let me clarify that. I know I threw out that number of 20%. Anybody that were, does mortgages through me, they're never that high. And the reason it's not that high, people need to keep in mind, the higher the risk, the higher the rate. Okay, so there are people out there that are paying 20% and, and so forth, but I can pretty well guarantee you when you look at the whole scenario, there's a good reason why they are because it's a very risky mortgage on behalf of the lender. 
So for the most part, anybody doing, um, let's say a first mortgage could be anywhere between say seven and 10%. That would be a common amount. And that could also include uh, a lender fee in there. If somebody were looking at needing a second mortgage, it's most commonly between 10 and at the most, maybe 15% through my brokerage anyhow. So I'm just to, to bring it into perspective. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handled everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life. But when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Okay. And that makes sense. It's, it's, um, and yeah, you can play with numbers and I, I totally get it that it depends on the, the, basically the risk is the the perceived risk. It's the perceived risk, not necessarily the actual risk, but the perceived risk, right? right? Because it's always the risk in the eyes of the lender. Yes. He, he uh, who has the gold makes the rules and it's the same in the private space. You know, I've seen people yeah, go, well, that's ridiculous that they're going to charge me that. It's like, well, they're the ones that have offered to lend you this money. If you can get it cheaper, great. But this is all, you know, so I mean, my role in all of this, and I say this to people all the time, I'm a matchmaker. My goal is, let's say, Laura, if you're the one calling me needing the mortgage, I need to get all the information from you as much as possible. Tell me every detail that you can so that I can now go to bat for you and find you the best lender because I need to know things like, for instance, if you, uh, let's say you're doing a mortgage that uh, you've bought a property under market value. Now you're going to put renovations into it. Well, ideally you might be looking for a mortgage with low return, like monthly payments. So we might be able to structure it differently so that the payments are at the end or partially at the end, whatever. I'm trying to look at your needs and then I'm getting a hold of Alfonso if he's the lender, running the whole scenario past him and trying to make it that yes, he gets what he wants, which is a great return, not gouging, but a great return. And Laura gets what she needs for her, for her um, project. I love that. I love how you coined it as, as a matchmaker, right? Because they're out there. A lot of a lot of our right club is active. They're looking for that private money or looking for for money to fund their deals, whether it's A, B or in the in the private world. But then on the flip side, we have a lot of members of our community that maybe just want to lend out their money. So you're kind of yep. you're working with both sides. So when yeah. you know when you're interviewing both, you're understanding the needs of both. But let's take a look at it when, when you're either borrowing or lending the private money, what are like, I don't know, on either, on either side, the top few things that you should really consider before you lend or before you borrow? What are the things that you like, if you don't do this, you shouldn't even step into this world? 
Okay. Well, first off, from the point of view of the person who's borrowing money, you need to know your numbers. There's no doubt about it. And one of the things I, I say, as people are introducing themselves to me, I honestly suggest get a hold of me before you've got the property under contract. And the reason is we can brainstorm together. I mean, I've done this for a long time. I'm also on the other side of the coin where I use private money as well. So I feel I bring that also to the table that, you know, so we can brainstorm on it. And honest to goodness, there's been many situations that once somebody outlines all their stuff and then I'm able to kind of throw at them, well, you think about this cost and you need to think about this. By the time they're done, this may, sometimes it's not the best situation. And I'd rather them know that before they bought it than after they've already got it under contract. So some of the costs they have to think about, every nine out of 10 of these deals are gonna need an appraisal. That's the cost of the borrower, okay? Just put in perspective, a single family home would be anywhere between four and $500. So a fourplex is obviously gonna be more than that, okay? So you're keeping those in mind. You're gonna to have to pay not just the interest rate on the money, but sometimes a lender fee. So it might be 8% lender uh, interest rate on a first mortgage, but then there might be one or 2% lender fee that has to come out of the top. You also have to pay for the lawyer for the lender. Again, I'll use you guys as the two of you as an example. Alfonso, your lawyer, Laurel would have to pay for your lawyer. So I say budget between $1,500 to $2,000 for that. You also have your regular closing costs and people have to know land transfer tax is not cheap. So that number has to be in there, plus your own lawyer's costs. And then there's the broker fee. We don't work for free. And that comes out of the bor from the borrower. In, uh, in my case, I usually charge 1%. The minimum it would ever be is 2,800. And that number can be all over the map, depending on who you deal with. Sorry, I'm kind of losing track here. So your question, so now if, I'm the, if you're the lender, things you want to think about, you need to get this where, where we can help, that you need to be thinking about, you're not a bank, you're lending on the equity of the property, okay? There is a big difference. I have some lenders who want this person to qualify like they were going to CIBC. It's like, no, sorry guys, it's they, they're, they're using private money for a reason. Either their credit might be in the toilet right now for a good reason, so I have to explain that. They might have, they might be over leveraged. They might, uh, this, you know, like so many things behind it, but it's like they are lending on the value of the property. So we usually like to keep it at 20% down payment or more. Okay. So if it's a, a first mortgage and it's a purchase and you're just going to rent it out, you're not doing any renovations, you probably need to have 20% down. If you're going to buy this property and it needs lots of work before you can start renting it out, chances are it might be 70 to 75% loan to value, okay? Now, people have asked me, why? What's the big deal? Because my after repair value is going to be such and such. And what I need to show them is that, yes, that's over there. But during the time that the, that the property is getting renovated, that lender has to be protected during that entire process. So while you've gutted the house to renovate it, now they're vulnerable if anything happened to you. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form, and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. That's a lot of good info in terms of, of both sides of things. So Laurel, it looks like you had a, a question for, uh, for Susan. Well, no, it's just, it's just you're right. It's, it's, and I really like what you said about the, first of all, the, the lender has to realize that the borrower, they cannot treat the borrower as if they're, as if the lender was a, a bank. I really like that because it's true. Like, if, if you're going after private money, it means for whatever reason, you, you know, you're like, you said, you're over leverage. You've got, maybe you've already got, I don't know, 20 properties and the bank just goes, yeah. ha, ha, ha. like there's the more, yeah. you know, really. And yet on paper and, and especially, and also the, there's the whole trust factor, right. Of, of, of the character of that person. Cause that's worth yes. a lot. You can have two people that have exactly the same portfolio, they the same money put in, and and yet two different characters. And you can look at one and say, absolutely, I would lend money to this person. And you look at person B and you go, not in a million years. I don't care. And that's an excellent point. And so another thing I suggest to investors that I've I've learned how to use private money. And once you get onto it, you go, wow, uh, there's no limit to what I can do right? You just have to make sure your numbers work. And so those people, there are ones that all day long, these investors keep coming back to me, I can vouch for them now. And I also ask investors put together a portfolio, put together you're selling yourself to say this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. This is you know, I mean, you're putting together a real estate resume. That's what it boils down to. And trust me, that goes so far. It really does. It's it's extremely helpful. And that's why I like the repeat business of, of different investors, because as soon as they call me or the email, it's like, okay, I know I can get you the mortgage because I've worked with you in the past. I know your integrity. I know your character. You do what you say you're going to do, which is pay back your loan, <laughs> not missing yes. payments. So things like that. Yeah. It's about communication, yeah. number one. Absolutely. It's about relationships because, again, it is not all about numbers. Yeah. At the end of the day, yes, we all want to make money, and whatever side of uh, your whatever side of the deal you're on, you want to make money. However, the other side of that is about the relationships. That's that is really really important because if I, as a borrower, get to know you, Susan, as the broker, really really well, and we have a really good relationship, and you know me, you trust me, you go, oh God, Laurel's calling. I know it's a good deal. I'm yeah. you know I'm all I'm there. And at the same time, when you 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 pass me on to a or you connect me with you being a matchmaker you connect me with alfonso who's the lender and i get to know alfonso and he says oh i love laurel and i know you do alfonso i know you love me but aside from that <laughs> it's like 
it is about that relationship, right? And it grows and everybody wins in that situation. Yep. 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 That's right. And, you know, try to get a relationship like that with an A lender or B lender where they're firing out so many deals and, you know, they're doing, I call it the, you know, the retail buys, right? A a lot of the mortgages that we do with our rent-to-owns are are our investors are just qualifying for A mortgages. It's their first, you know, few investments or something like that. And you can't build up that relationship. There's no rapport building. There's just literally breaking it down to the facts where this is almost like a hybrid of, hey, we still need to make sure the facts of the property, of the project are going to be valid and working. But let's see the track record. Let's look at the person that's actually going to be borrowing out of the gate as well too. And I love that you're helping support your lenders to, to see that as well too and have a good good repertoire of lendees or, you know, lendees that that are taking that money, right? And then saying, here, no, this is the type of projects that you're going to be looking at. This is what you want to do. And you're really getting to the root of what their goals are. So uh, it's so valuable what what you do for for, for both sides of the party, because everybody's got to win. And I think, you know, in a good negotiation, everybody's got to walk away happy, but everybody's got to walk away like they they should have, they wanted a little bit more too, right? And I think that's what makes a really good deal. I want to switch gears. Sorry, go ahead, Susan. Oh, I was just going to comment what you made to do with the banks and this shows my age but I remember years ago this is back when I lived in Canmore you were known in the community and I can remember walking into CIBC sitting down with the manager I was a nurse at the time and I could just she knew me they know you personally and then I would walk out knowing I was getting a mortgage that unfortunately does not happen anymore it has no bearing and that's where a lot of people are still mis- misled thinking, oh, but I got to talk to my bank and they know it. And it's like, they don't know you. Like you're not known at your bank. You're you're known through the system by number such and such. And it's all crunching numbers. There is no relationship anymore that there used to be with the banks. Yeah. No, that, that's a great point. Definitely at, at a branch level, the banks, there's, there's that is gone. I almost compare yeah. like the bank is like almost like a Home Depot. You're not going to go yeah. ask the those people in the orange aprons how to install a toilet. You're going to ask them where the toilet is, right? Yeah. And almost at the bank, that's the same type of thing. They're going to tell you where the product is. They're not going to look out for your best benefits. So that's right. Speaking of the banks, right? We, yeah. we you see those flashy numbers at the the interest rates are you know all time lows, and that's what they have planted up in their front mirror of the glass, right? And uh, those, those low low rates. But how can a second mortgage be helpful for those that are uh, coming up on a refinance of a mortgage? Because I think that's gonna that's another way that private mortgages and private lending can be utilized as well. Good question. Actually, it's very beneficial if people understand how to use it. Yes, a second mortgage is expensive, but as earlier, Laurel, what you were saying, it's it's based on the entire year, right? So, so let's say it was 12% for an entire year, but you only ended up needing it for six months. Okay. So so there is a but but the reason why you would use it to help you refinance is that okay, so you own a property, whether it's your principal residence or a rental. And now all of a sudden people are noticing, oh my gosh, look at the rates. I mean, you can be getting mortgages now under the 2%. And and if you're sitting with something, say at three point something or four or five, absolutely, you want to try and get the lower one. Well, you have to look at your whole scenario and go, how can I fix this? How can I fix my credit rating if it's off right now? How can I get rid of some of these debts 
so that I can qualify? Well, the best way to go about that would be take out a second mortgage. Yes, there's a cost factor, but at the end of the day, it's minimal compared to what you'll get by getting a better mortgage when you can requalify. So it's it's worth a discussion to see if, if people fit. Susan, what's What's happening right now? Like, what are you seeing out there in the in the real estate investing world? Are you seeing, particularly in this time of, of the pandemic, are you seeing different types of deals or a certain, like, what are the trends? Are people coming to you for flips, um, I, you know, single homes? Like, like, what's going on? Like, what are you seeing? What, what crosses your desk? Um, actually, flips are very common, very, very common. Also, now a lot of people are recognizing because it's so difficult jumping through all the hoops with the bank in order to pick up properties, it's beneficial to not worry about doing it right off with the bank, just get it on, like, pick it up with private money, and then reorganize yourself after the fact. And, you know, it's funny, even though COVID's huge, and everybody's, you know, weary of what's going on. I find savvy investors are looking past all that and still projecting what they want to be doing in this next year or so. And I'm sure we can all agree there's going to be a lot of deals to be had, uh, you know, in this next year. So in order to participate with some of them, if you can't qualify at the bank, people are turning to private money. They're they're getting less fearful of private money. There's the answer. And I think it's just because of pure education is happening more and more. Yeah. And, and, and kudos to you because you are providing that education and, and showing the benefits and those misnomers, right, about the private money. And it cost me like, no, oh, 12%. But as we break it down and look at the numbers, it might, it's not actually 12% every single month. It's broken down over the year. And again, like you said, working out your numbers. And you touched on something really good with, you said with the banks, right? Like, and everybody's lining up to the banks and maybe it's, you can't qualify yourself as the investor or as the lender, but as well too, there's a huge backlog. And as we know, there's all kinds of competition going on in the market and multiple offers. And this is the last house that will ever be for sale. And there's like 97 offers going on, right? And, And it's crazy. So Again, we're limited with the banks on, on what they can do in their turnaround time and in the bureaucracy and, and the way that they go through it. But to avoid that with private lending, maybe what are some things that the lenders can do to make sure that they can be efficient when they're borrowing? You, you mentioned like a portfolio, a track record, those types of things. But maybe what are some other things that if I'm, a, if I'm someone looking to lend money, wanting to build my portfolio, what should I have ready to go so that I'm as fast and efficient so I can bring that to you? And you can be off to the races with finding me some good, solid private money. Okay. So again, two sides to it. So let's just talk from the lender side right now. If you wanted to become a lender on my list, like it's, and and this is something I need to clarify because I've had people go, well, do I send you my money? And it's like, well, I'd love you to, but no, that's not appropriate. (laughs) You can send Um, it to me. Send it to me. Yeah, send it to you. Okay. (laughs) So what happens is that first off, they need to fill out what we call a private lending portfolio. It's just a one-page document that gives me information on them. These are things that FISRA, which is our governing body, Financial Regulatory Services Authority, oversees all mortgage brokers. And so we have to do this. And it protects it protects people from money laundering, especially money laundering, and also terrorism people funding for terrorists and so forth. So I have to know certain things about you. So there's that. 
And I also need to have two pieces of ID from you to make sure you are who you say you are. And I also have to have a discussion and know the ins and outs of where you stand with your experience in lending and so forth. And I take notes every time I was just on a call about an hour ago with a new lender, she's wanting to do with their RSP money, TFSA money. She's been doing it for the last four years. Like I'm taking notes so that I understand who I'm dealing with and keep them in, in my file so that then when I do have a mortgage to present, I can go back until I get to know you better on a regular basis. I need to refer to my notes on where your experience is, places. Some people only want to lend in the GTA, say. Somebody else might only want to lend on single family homes. Like whatever your preference is, I acknowledge that. But to be quite honest, I suggest to people, don't be narrow-minded in what you're going to look at. Let me present lots of stuff to you and we can talk about it. So that's from the borrower perspective. Uh, sorry, lender perspective. Now the borrower there are things that you can do as well to make this streamline and do it fast. And what it boils down to, I do not reach out to my lenders by just you sending me a text going, oh, I got this fourplex I'm picking up in Windsor. Got any lenders? <laughs> I get texts like that all the time. It's like, guys, no, there's more to it than that. I still need an application. I still need to pull a credit report. I still need documentation from you. I need to analyze the whole scenario before we present it to lenders. So I make it clear, you want me to fund this quickly for you. The faster you get me the information that I'm requesting, I can get that lender lined up within a day or two. It, but I don't need, I have learned <laughs> not to start talking to lenders on behalf of, so Laurel, you're my client. I hear what you say, but your documentation helps me truly understand your scenario because it needs to all match up and then I can get you a lender just like that. I don't know if that, oh, if that helps. No, it makes sense. Cause I know, I mean, Danielle and I've gone uh, with, with private money. And I remember once <laughs> uh, driving down from Ottawa to Niagara on the Lake. And I swear to God, <laughs> we were going down the um, highway seven and wait, I get a text from the mortgage broker and it was like, okay, you got to stop in and whatever, go to the bank and get this. And I, we, I, we run into whatever little town. And then the next, like we were driving 20 minutes and there's another time. Okay. Got to get this. Cause it was, it was kind of a funny kind of deal where, you know, like it was really time sensitive. It was just, it was just a really odd situation. I swear we hit every single bank from Ottawa to Toronto along highway seven. Do you have any idea how many banks there are there? But, but, <laughs> but it's, but it's because our, our broker was being really, really careful. Like she wanted to make sure that we had every single base. Covered. Well, we have to see, this is the thing that people yeah. don't understand too. Now, having said that, if you wanted to lend directly to Alfonso, you can do that. People do that all the time. What happens between the two of you of the documentation you need is between the two of you and your two lawyers. But as a mortgage broker, I don't have the luxury of saying, well, don't give me this, I'll take that. I have to have, whether I need it to present to the lender or not, I still have to show it. Like, here's an example. I don't, I don't care where you get your down payment from, but I need to know where it's coming from. So you could have a second mortgage and therefore have it 
100% finance, that's fine. Yeah, but if I'm providing you with the first mortgage, I just need to know where's that down payment coming from? Is it gifted money? Is it borrowed from your RSPs? Is it under your mattress? I don't care, but I have to still acknowledge it. And that's the difference. Whereas the banks, as we know, oh my gosh, it has to be sitting in the account for three months and, you know, really rigorous rules. And I think it's vitally important from both sides, whether you're borrowing or you're lending, you're going to want to make sure that you know, this is a big step. This isn't yes. like monopoly money that we're playing with here. We're not buying Boardwalk Avenue, right? We're, we're actually buying real properties and real projects. So the people that you're working with, you, you want to make sure they're checked out. It's another layer of protection from both yeah. sides, right? That, hey, even if you are borrowing, hey, it's the person with money. I remember the first couple of deals that we got is like, oh, they're going to give us money. Let's not ask too many questions, right? <laughs> but then but then as you're getting more, it's like, no, we have to ask these questions so that it's properly lined up so that we can knock over those dominoes and then from yeah from the borrowing side especially if you're working with known commodities and you're checking them out making sure those deals asking the questions that maybe a common borrower wouldn't ask or wouldn't know to ask yeah right? then when that- i and it's so true when i think back when i first started lending my mon- own money it was with my rsp money i learned from the person i lent it to well that's not the smartest move <laughs> I thank goodness I never had anything go wrong. But the longer I was doing it, and the, you know, the more examples you add to it, and so forth, then you learn, oh, my gosh, I was so vulnerable, but I didn't know I was. Mm. And this is my other thing that I'm trying to suggest to people, if you've never lent your money directly to somebody before, I honestly suggest do it through a broker in the beginning, so that you have them looking out for your best interest, and then go from there. I just think it's a smarter way to go, even though I didn't do that. <laughs> you know, that, that that's really good advice, Susan, because especially as you said, if you're starting out and you don't really know the landscape out there, like leverage your knowledge, leverage your experience. Like, why not? That's your train, your, your license, your, you know, you have to follow the rules. There's a whole bunch, a whole bunch of bureaucrats behind you, literally watching over your shoulder to make sure that all yeah. the steps are, are taken care of. So really good advice, especially if you're just getting going. So you know what, we could talk about this for hours yeah. <laughs> and hours. Yeah. But we're going to move on to the lightning round. And you know how this works. We're going to alternate questions. We've got four questions. I'm going to start. And then uh, Alfonso come in with question two. So you ready? Sure. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, question one. What's the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Best advice? Just don't think, don't do what I'm doing right now. Don't think too heavily sometimes on things. Take action. Oh, you know, like you, you do need to analyze things, but don't do the analysis to paralysis. You, you have to pull a trigger. 
Love that. Love that sound advice. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite resource for real estate investing? And that could be anything, a book, a training, person, an event. What's your favorite resource? You know what? I got to tell you, nowadays, it's podcasts. I love them. And I love the Right Club podcast. I love Sarah Larby's podcast. I mean, I just, I'm now become a, a podcast addict. And it is, it's, it, and it's great. I mean, you could be cooking dinner listening to a podcast or or you're taking a two-hour trip and put a podcast on like there's no excuses for not being able to stay educated so yeah that's my latest all righty then what is the one attribute that has made you most successful if you had to choose one what would it be i'm not afraid to change i'm not afraid to try new things i just never have and as old as i am now i'm still not afraid (laughs) Yeah, I think that's I think that's an attribute because I see some people they they study this to death, but they're afraid to pull the trigger. Yeah, I love that. It wasn't too long ago that we were actually in person at uh, at one of the Right Club events, and you were so excited about you were launching a new marketing and getting and you're giving me throwing me lingo in terms about all marketing and digital, and I'm like wow, this is great. And like, I was learning from you and just that you throw yourself right in there. And, and I can definitely attest to that is you're, you're, you're so ready to, you know, to, to make a commitment to learn and try something new to better yourself and the people that you work with. So absolutely. Let's round it out. Last question of the lightning round. So on a, on a typical Sunday morning, what are you up to, Susan? What are you doing? Uh, sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Early Sunday morning. Yeah. Sleeping. Sometimes and it's only sometimes these days, it seems. Sometimes I would make it to church, but in most cases, that doesn't happen. So I'm walking my dog. And there we have the lightning round. Thank you. So Susan, how can people get hold of you? That's simple enough. Private money for mortgages. And it's the number four, not the word for. There's my website. They can email me at susan at privatemoneyformortgages.com. They can call me at 519-803-1642. I'm on, I'm out there on social media. I'm findable. (laughs) That's great. And you know what? And and you're you're just such a genuinely caring person, loves your clients. Such a pleasure speaking with you today, uh, Susan, and great information. Any last words of advice that you want to share with the Right Club Nation? No, just hang in there with COVID. We're all, we're all going to survive this and we're going to grow whether it's good or bad news in the, uh, in the economy. I think so. And thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you later, Susan. So Alfonso, Susan did a great job, didn't she? Wow. She really shared a lot of information for both lenders and borrowers. It's, it was really cool to talk about both sides of the equation here. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've borrowed private money. I've lent private money, lent, no, not private. I guess it was my own money. It wasn't private money, but it was lending money. I'm uh, looking on both sides and she touched on all, all the major points that, that you definitely should consider whether you're borrowing or you're lending. But the, the biggest takeaway that, that, that I took was sometimes, you know, when you're on that lending position, you want everything to be, you know, smelly, nice, beautiful roses and everything's perfect. And well, guess what? If you're lending that, that, that's not going to happen in most cases. That's really, you know, very few and far in between when typically someone's borrowing private money, it's because they can't get that A and B type money or don't have the time to, and and, and timelines are rushed. So for all those private lenders out there that are just waiting for that, that amazing, perfect opportunity, 
Well, keep waiting because it's not going to come. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to really dig deep and, and find out, you know, the, the attributes of that, of that project that are going to make worth lending or not, depending on your situation. Yeah, so, and I, Susan didn't say it, but it was pretty, pretty clear. I think what she meant that, you know, if you're looking for the, as a lender, if you're looking for the perfect deal, then you might as well just go put your money in the bank or put it in a mutual fund because there is no such thing as a perfect deal. You know, that's why private lenders exist because there's all kinds of reasons why people want private money. And it, we, I mean, there's probably hundreds that we could come up with, but we don't have time for that. So just before we yeah. go though, Alfonso, let's just talk about the uh, online community a little bit because, hey, what's going on there? It's uh, such a growing community. I have touched base with so many of the Right Club Nation that uh, that I wouldn't have been able to touch base with, number one, because we're not in person, but number two, they're across the country. So I've been having amazing conversations with people out east and, you know, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, we have members there all the way out to the other side of the country in BC and in Calgary and or Alberta, I guess, right? And really connecting. And there's so many things. As you said, we, we learn from every single one of our podcasts and these conversations as as do all of our listeners, but I'm learning every day from our community on certain projects that are going on. I'm looking and I'm almost like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's incredible what we've been able to kind of put together in our now our community is being able to put together and interact with each other and the power that we all really have. So if you haven't been on the rightclub.com, definitely check it out. There's forums, there's our events calendar. We have our all of our podcasts. Maybe you're listening to this podcast from therightclub.com. But so many amazing tools and tricks and, and things like that that you can use. Yeah, Laurel, why don't you speak a little bit more about that? Well, and, and all, you know what? It's free to join. So just go join. If you haven't joined, go. It's put in your name and your email address and, and then you're in and you fill in your profile. And now you can connect with people all across the country. And yeah, all We've got all kinds of stuff coming, new stuff that will be coming. We'll be rolling it out, uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast. But stuff's coming all the time, so um, don't wait. Don't don't miss the opportunity to make those connections because, in the end, it's the relationships and the connections that help us all grow and create wealth. However, you define wealth, right? That's right. That's right. And like I said, I really love the conversation. So if you haven't been on there or you're just new and you're not sure how it works or navigate, send me a message. This is becoming a daily ritual for me. I'm jumping on the rightclub.com, getting through all the messages of the new, new people that are joining the community. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, we want to keep continuing to grow as we all grow. Like we say, we all get better and grow together. So until next time, come grow with us. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.